Welcome to the Public Forum. This is a bonus episode for the Virtual Pulpit. My name is Reverend Macy Liptoy. I am the pastor of 723 here in Dallas and the preacher on the Virtual Pulpit. Now, the Public Forum came from an idea I had where I realized I wanted listeners and people to be able to engage with the conversations that we're having on sermons. And I wanted a place where people could ask questions that they feel like they've never gotten answered by pastors. Or maybe there are questions that they were too afraid to ask in church. Well, this is a safe space for you to ask any questions that you may have about who is God? What do we believe? Should we even believe? Does this make sense? And our question today, which is, why is God referred to in plural in Genesis? Were the writers good Methodists who believed in trying God? Now, for those of you who have no idea what this question is talking about, as Christians, we believe that God is one God in one unity and one will in one divine being and yet triune. We believe that there are three parts of God, three manifestations of God. There's really no easy way to talk about the Trinity without committing some sort of heresy, honestly. (laughs) I've tried. I had to write a paper about it in seminary where I talked about who God was without committing some sort of modalism, which is a heresy where you say God is like, if God is like water, and it's solid, liquid, and gas that still doesn't really describe the totality of the Trinity because those three things can't exist in their different states at the same time as one thing. Though I did look up in seminary, and apparently there's this thing called three-point water, which is where water exists at one time in full unity of itself as solid, liquid, and gas, which would get us closer to what the triune God means, but really doesn't cover the whole totality of it. So there's this idea in Christianity that God is both the Godhead, which is what you hear about in um, Genesis, with God as the creator in some ways. And then there's God in the person of Jesus Christ, which we all know a lot about, I imagine. And then there's God as the Holy Spirit, which was with God in the beginning of time, was over the dark waters before the world was formed, and was at the beginning of the church in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And so there's these different variations of who God is, and yet all the ways we talk about God are also, well, they're all used to describe God. It's really complicated, and And one of the things that they ask us to do is, how would you describe the Trinity to a seventh grade confirmation class? (laughs) And part of me feels like, man, I don't know if I can do it because I don't necessarily even understand it. How do I say that Christianity is monotheistic? We believe in one God, one true God, and yet this God is both God the creator and God the redeemer and God the spirit, and yet those are all the same thing, and yet they're different, and yet they're all the same, and they have the same will and the same goals and the same motivations, and... Yeah, it's complicated. But this idea of why is God referred to in the plural in Genesis? Well, this is interesting. Because in Genesis 1, God exists in plurality, and yet we don't get the same statement in Genesis 2. So in Genesis 1 is what I'm going to focus on today. And and I talked about this actually the last time I answered a question. Um, We talked about Genesis 1 in reference to why did God kill off the dinosaurs, which is a fun question to ask. But this time I'm going to talk about Genesis 1, specifically when God creates humanity. Now, traditionally, we understand this text to mean God created man and woman. 
And those are two separate things. And we kind of conflate the two creation stories together. We believe that Genesis 1 is the same creation story as Genesis 2, but that can't be further from the case. In fact, Genesis 2 starts the whole creation story over. It completely changes the pattern of literature. Genesis 1 is a beautiful poem, and it's got this great structure of creating things that have to do with water and things that have to do with land. And they go in this beautiful poetic pattern of one another. But Genesis 2 changes that pattern. It alters it. It starts completely differently. God doesn't create in the same order that God created in Genesis 1. And God is a lot more earthy in Genesis 2. And God is pretty singular in Genesis 2. But the funny thing about God's name is that in this text, depending on what Hebrew word you're looking at, so there's also the Hebrew word of Yahweh, which we all are familiar with in some ways, but the other Hebrew word used for God, which is often translated to be Lord, is Elohim. And that ending of Elohim, that im, that's a plural addition. See, in Hebrew, to change a word you add things to the front or to the end of it. The same way we do in English, where we put an apostrophe S. Well, Elohim, that ending is plural. So if you ever read a capitalized Lord in the Bible, most often it's being translated from the Hebrew word Elohim, which means plurality. So even in Genesis 2, where we imagine that God is kind of singular, because God creates Adam, which is the human being, and then God creates Isha, which is woman, out of the rib of Adam. That's all very individual. It's one God does this one thing to this one human who then creates one woman. There isn't a lot of plurality involved in it. But Genesis 1 is interesting. Genesis 1, when God creates humanity, God says, let us create them in our image. There is inherent multiplicity in there. And I think what's even cooler about that part of Genesis 1 is that it's not just showing us the plurality of God, but it's showing us that humanity in the image of God is not just an individual, but it's all of humanity. When God says, let us create them in our image, it means when you see the face of God, you should see the face of all 7 billion people that are on this planet. When you try to imagine what God looks like, imagine God in all the forms that humanity takes because all of humanity is created in God's image. And so to answer the question, why is God referred to plural in Genesis? I think it's to show us that all of us bear the image of God. Not just Adam, the human being, not just Ish, the man, or Isha, the woman, but all humanity. The whole wide spectrum of the human experience and the embodied humanity, that's what God looks like. I don't think it's necessarily speaking to the Trinity, but rather to what it means to be human. And that humanity comes in endless various forms. And all of it is part of the image of God. Does that answer the question? Hey. The 
Virtual Pulpit is self-funded, so if you want to help support this endeavor, visit our Patreon page at The Virtual Pulpit. If you have any theological questions, comments, or topics that you want to hear on the show, visit thevirtualpulpit.com and go to our contact page. Or you can message us on Instagram at thevirtualpulpit. If you want to visit us in person, we are at 723 Fort Worth Avenue in Dallas, Texas. And that is where I serve as the pastor, and I'd be happy to give you more information about our in-person events that we do. Thanks for listening.